Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Do you like dogs? I do too. That's why today's episode is brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at www.getbarkbox.com forward slash Paratruth. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mutual view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I am Justin, and as I promised last week, Eric's sensual voice is back with us for this week. <laughs> sensual? Wow. Well, I called it sexy last week, so I had to go with something different. I understand, I understand. <laughs> so, real quick in news, this past Tuesday, or in this case today, since this is a pre-recorded show, Justin, uh... The Great American Eclipse just happened, 2017. Um, most of the country was able to see parts of this eclipse. Yeah. I know here in Cleveland, we had about 80% uh, of the moon in front of the sun. I was able to get a pretty interesting picture. Uh, nowhere near as good as others as I was on my telephone. You know, using a camera right. phone is never a good thing to get a solar picture. <laughs> but nonetheless, there have been many people who have been able to see and had the luck to see uh, the full totality of the solar eclipse out there in north dakota i know you could have seen a certain percentage of it did you bother to look up at all or what kind of percentage was out there do you know well i was working so i i didn't see the actual eclipse i mean i saw it get a little dark outside uh i believe my boss said it was an 78 <laughs> percent probably that sounds that would sound about right probably now, I know the closest I think that it got to around to you, I think, was actually around Wyoming, the the full eclipse, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're probably right around the same area that I was, around 80 percent, because I believe it came over uh, Kentucky, North Carolina. And, of course, South Carolina is where the big uh, showdown happened at the end uh, of the day. <clears throat> but, you know, for, for those of you out there who got the chance to see something as spectacular as that, Congratulations. I'm super jealous. You have no idea. Uh, but luckily, Justin, for Clevelanders, you may have to fly in for this one. Seven years from now, April of 2024, the solar eclipse full totality will be coming over Cleveland, Ohio. I did see that. Yeah. Uh, so I am totally looking forward to that. I have only two solar phenomena, if you will, uh, that I'm really looking forward to. That's one. The other one is when I'm 80 years old. In I believe it's 2065 when Halley's Comet comes flying through. So after I see that, I could die happy. Um, well, you might die because it might actually hit Earth at that point. Who knows? <laughs> so anyway, congratulations for all you who saw it. I hope it was a very magical experience. I heard it was that it's always very life changing for people who've seen that full totality mm-hmm. of the eclipse. Uh, it's a pretty cool thing. So 
a lot of stories have come from those. We see them in the Bibles, and we see a lot of people killing each other over it, thinking it's the end of the world <laughs> in the past. So, hey, some historical significance there. Well, some people with this one were getting just as crazy with the end of the world uh, story. You know, well, that's because so. people are just crazy. <laughs> but, hey, what are you going to do? Once again, here we are. Fine and dandy. The right. earth is fine. You know, this is the thing that's interesting about that because here's a rabbit trail. People are like, oh gosh, you know, the earth is going to end because there's an eclipse. There's an eclipse every 18 months. Approximately somewhere in the world, there's a solar eclipse. I mean, it only comes, it's only a big deal when it happens in the USA. Right. I'm just saying, <laughs> at least as far as we know. But, uh, if it happens in Jerusalem, then maybe it's like, eh, you know, over there in Israel, yeah. hmm, what could be happening? And if it's but, uh, just in that area. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, do you have anything you want to add real quick? Um, I, that if you guys have any pictures or anything, I would love you guys to share them on, uh, Paratruth, uh, Facebook page or, uh, any of our social medias because I would love to see see them from any any perspective even if it was not a total eclipse in your area yeah absolutely and feel free to send any photos it doesn't have to be professional if you have a cell phone you call something and it's cool to you then we want to see it uh so with that said without further ado huh ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages for those of you listening at fringe radio network tmv cafe or paratruthradio.com let's get ready to expose some lies now Paratree presents the Amityville Horror, a haunted family or a fabrication. Folks, throughout history, many cases have been debated over, seeking the truth and searching for validity. Cases in crime, mental stature, and even hauntings, but rarely are all three of those located in one place. Today we open our case file on the most notorious haunting in America. A Middyville. And this is by <clears throat> far one of the most fictitiously uh, represented of them as well, believe it or not. Because <laughs> there's been oh, films, documentaries, books. Uh, it's, it's, the list goes on and on. And it says uh, in the, the website that I was looking at that the most recent was Amityville The Awakening starring Bella Thorne and Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh no, Bella Thorne. That movie failed. <laughs> Just because of Bella Thorne? Oh, uh, she's, I'm not a fan. Anyway. <laughs> that just adds to the, the enigma of Amityville. <laughs> so some of the stuff that you came across that happened there, what, what did you see? Yeah, so I mean, I think everybody knows the story of Amityville. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, <clears throat> back on November 13th of 1974, 23-year-old Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family while they were asleep, which included his parents and four siblings, and he used a 35 Marlin rifle. Interesting enough, you know, at first it was just a murder, and it just, I say just as if it's just a murder, guys. <laughs> no, at first, you know, it was this murder case, right? But Ronald began talking about the voices that he, that he apparently was hearing, mm-hmm. uh, voices telling him to kill his family, uh, while they were asleep. Uh, and from there, things just started to spin out of control, uh, in, in, uh, terms of story anyway. 
as far as I know, there was no investigation conducted there at the time. And from what I know and understand, there haven't been many con- investigations conducted there since uh, this murder, uh, which is interesting because we have all these theories and these stories, but no real hard evidence proof of a haunting. Uh, 13 months later, the Lutz family purchased a five-bedroom home, uh, 3.5 bathrooms, if I'm not mistaken. It drastically reduced the price at $80,000, but they only stayed for 28 days before deciding to pick up and move. That's weird, right? Yeah. It's a little weird. Uh, according to reports, they were witnessing some pretty significant paranormal activity. Uh, Justin, in regards to the paranormal activity that was going on here, what kind of things did uh, the Lutz family claim to have witnessed? Well, first and foremost, George Lutz had a history of dabbling in the occult. That in and of itself would cause a haunting without murders even being there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lutz was said to wake up George at 3.15 in the morning, every morning, which was around the time Ron DeFeo carried out his murders. The Lutz family claimed to smell strange odors, sea green slime oozing out of the walls and keyholes, and then experienced cold spots, which the smells and cold spots are kind of a common thing for hauntings. A priest came to bless the house, and he allegedly heard a voice say, Get out. He told the Lutzes to never step sleep in a particular room in the house, which is kind of odd for a priest to say, okay, just don't go in there. You'll be okay. Don't worry about anything else. Just don't go in there. A couple of the other things that I came across was a nearby garage door opening and closing, an invisible spirit knocking a knife down in the kitchen, a pig-like creature with red eyes staring down at George and his son Daniel from a window, uh, George waking up to wife Kathy levitating off the bed, as well as sons Daniel and Christopher also levitating together in their beds. Let's let's break down some of these uh, some of these claims because if I'm not mistaken, there is no evidence for any of these claims uh, to you know to prove them right or wrong for that matter, um, or true or false. But some of these claims are just kind of outrageous when you think about it. When, when, when you think about a, a typical investigation that we've been on or that friends mm-hmm. of ours have been on, a typical haunting, do, do you normally see green ooze coming down the walls or the door through the door locks? No, not necessarily. Um, but, I mean, you will see green mist. I don't know if maybe it was a mistaken thing for that. I mean, that's a possibility for sure. Uh, but I think it's interesting that the word that was chosen here is ooze. Right. Because ooze is a significantly different consistency than what a mist would be. Oh, uh, true. You and I have seen a mist. You and I have seen a green mist in photographs mm-hmm. uh, on our investigation to Indigo Lake. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very interesting photograph. Uh, definitely wasn't ooze. And I think unless somebody who is very, I think, in tune to some – sense with the paranormal and again he was dabbling in the occult mm. uh I, I think that would be a fair reason as to why someone would say oh this is ectoplasm hence you know ooze ectoplasm the mist that's yeah. where you start seeing these these uh similarities there slimer and ghostbusters yeah we slimer know. And ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah you know slimer goes he shows up at the Worst, most crazy yeah. hauntings <laughs> um but nonetheless you know it's it's uh 
I don't know. It seems a little far-fetched, a little out there. Again, this is still one of those things that are uh, that is strictly a story. Mm. There is no photographic evidence. There are no true EVPs. Uh, you know, there, there's very little on these investigations and that, or on these this story because the homeowners won't allow anyone in there to do investigations. And currently, there is a family living at an, uh, at the house. Yeah. And they have witnessed no paranormal activity whatsoever. And there have been other families. Right, so I watched a documentary uh, in, in which Daniel claims to or, or still claims that this house had ruined his life, that these hauntings have ruined his life, that he can't move on. He can't do this. He can't do that. But his siblings constantly deny such claims, saying that the house wasn't haunted or that they didn't witness it or didn't remember it. Maybe they blocked it out. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe there's some type of, and I, I don't mean this in a, in a, uh, put down kind of way or a demeaning type of way, but maybe there's some type of mental disorder here that's causing Daniel to be like, Hey, I still believe that what I saw and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Or maybe it's just something he witnessed on his own. I don't know. Um, but let's let's move on, continue on a little bit here, because a couple of other things that you had mentioned regarding the paranormal activity. One, strange odors. Mm-hmm. Uh, true or false when it comes to investigations and hauntings? It's a common one. It's a common one. All right. Other paranormal activity, a nearby garage door opening and closing, that could probably be debunked pretty easily. Um, you know, it, that there, there's certain frequencies with, with remote controls. Uh, for, for, for TVs, television remotes that can easily do that. Uh, you know, I, I had a, actually proof of that. Um, of course you just have to take my word for it unless you try it. If you're ever playing laser tag and you drop a gun or run out of a, you know, whatever, grab a remote control and push a button on it and it'll shoot whoever <laughs> the laser will activate the target really. and knock somebody out. So. Lasers can do that. There's these frequencies. It's weird, uh, but it happens. Well, because of the of the time frame too, the the if they had an automatic garage door opener at that time, it would have been way more glitchy compared to today's openers. That, that's true. That is very much true. Um, let's see. An invisible spirit knocking a knife down in the kitchen could be debunked, but it would be kind of hard to debunk something like that because you would have to weigh is there a gust coming some from somewhere and everything else which obviously i don't i don't recall seeing any investigations done there so i can't say Mm -hmm. if they ever debunked that or not but uh it, it would be possible to debunk it Right. I think this is one of those things where, or instances where, uh, in order to debunk it, you actually have to be there to be witness there, it. Yeah. You need to know exactly where it was laying. You need to know exactly where it fell. And then from there, figure out how it fell. And that means making movement. That means checking for gusts, checking for the balance on the knife, how close was it to the edge of the, ca- of the counter or wherever it was, things like that. Uh, obviously there's a number of different possibilities. Uh, we've seen in investigations, we've done investigations where we've debunked things as such. It, much of this comes to simply a rattling in the home or something mm. like that. Uh, I mean, heck there was a loud pop in my sister's house. Now my sister believed at one point that her house is haunted. I, you know, maybe there was at one point because we witnessed things. I remember one time I was sitting there. Both Ellie and I, uh, we were sitting in the, in the dining room 
and we were just having a normal conversation. Uh, we were actually talking about Christianity and about God uh, because she's taking some biblical classes. Uh, and so she's asking me questions and we're having this conversation and all of a sudden we hear what sounds like the aluminum chair in the kitchen sliding across the floor. Now the kitchen is no more than three feet away from us and that chair is no more than four feet away from us. So it's not like, Oh, what was that? Let's go find out. It was right there. It happened. Uh, we heard it move. I saw it move out the corner of my eye. Of course, there's no reasonable explanation. Uh, we would think maybe a cat jumped on it. The cat is way too light for an aluminum chair for one. Uh, <laughs> Two, there's no wheels on the chair, which means whatever it was had force behind it. Mm. And three, even if the chair was off balance, it would have made a slamming sound, not a dragging sound. So, you know, right. that's yeah. something that's kind of creepy. Uh, and we were not able to debunk that. However, there was another instance in which there's a loud pop in her attic. Scared the heck out of us. I forget what we were watching. Some show <laughs> heard a loud pop and the pop caused a chandelier in the dining room to swing back and forth. Now, many would think that loud bang could be a spirit, which then made yeah. that chandelier move back and forth. But again, it could simply be the settling of the house. Uh, so definitely things to think about. And in this case, knocking a knife down in the kitchen. Well, I, I mean, I think it could be debunked. I don't know for sure. We'd have to be there to witness it. I don't know. Right. One of the things uh, that I thought was really weird is the, the pig-like creature with red eyes. and. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that that cannot be debunked unless there's somebody playing a trick on them with a mask on or something with with red eyes lighting right. up on the mask. Right. Now, and this is something, though, that's like it's one of those where it's obviously hard to believe for most people. But I can see some type of credence to this simply to the due to the fact that I know people who have either seen some type of spirit like creature with red eyes mm. uh and the stories seem very similar. Now, of course, these stories could be just, you know, figments of other stories. You know, people are gathering, oh, this it's common knowledge that this creature, this spirit entity has red eyes. Hence, mm. whatever I'm seeing has red eyes. It's a mind trick. That's a possibility. Uh, but still, interesting thing and something I think we just have to really pass on for now because you're right. We don't we don't know. We just don't know that one. Uh, last two things. Um Kathy and George Lutz. Well, George waking up to his wife, Kathy, levitating off their bed. Also, their sons, Daniel and Christopher, also levitating together off their in their beds. Um, where's 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 the where's the evidence? Where's the video? The videos? Where's the photos? Where's you know, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me if you're witnessing this kind of stuff that you wouldn't take the time to try to prove uh, such documentation. Right. But again, back then. It was a little less, I mean, it was more common than further back, but not as common as everybody having a camera in their own home. So for them to get the evidence, I'd say it it could have been possible they didn't have anything to take pictures with, but why they didn't get anybody to investigate other than a priest, because there were paranormal investigators even back in 1974, 75-ish area, um, it was just odd and it, maybe they just took it as a some type of demonic haunting and that's why they just got the priest to to right. uh, exercise the house well all right so so we we've, we've kind of discussed these haunt this haunting we've kind of discussed what uh, the Lutz family has uh claimed to witness and really many of these 
these stories on the films are based off the Lutz family to some extent because that's where the true story of the haunting really originates. Right. Uh, you know, we have a, obviously we have a, a truer origination in which where Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. claims to have heard these voices or whatever. But again, that doesn't necessarily strike me as paranormal. It could be. Right. It very well could be. I've right. heard voices. You've heard voice, everyone, you know, many of our friends have heard voices, uh, which are very clearly not in our mind, but you know, it, it's hard to say. However, again, the story really starts to take shape when we get into the Lutz family, uh, and their story. However, there are many people who are spectacle of this story. Uh, again, there've been four families that have lived in the house since the murders that happened and only one of them that I know of, which is the Lust family, claimed to have witnessed paranormal activity. So there is this – basically the Lutz family, in particular George and Kathy, wanted to prove that the story was real. And so they took the time to take a lie detector test. Right. Just to prove whether – you know, to prove that they were innocent, basically. To prove that, hey, we're telling you the truth. What happened there, Justin? Well, I mean – as you said, they they took the lie detector test. They passed. Um, the couple were bogged down in legal and financial issues, which prompted skeptics to believe that they had some type of motive so that they could sell the story. Uh, mm-hmm. The their lawyer, William Weber, uh, who fell out with them over money issues, which I'll come back to that, came out in 1979, claiming the three of them came up with the horror story over many bottles of wine. And well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's actually go straight to that right now. Okay. You said you were going to come back to that, right? Let, let, just while we're here, let's discuss that. Okay. The What I was going to say on this is, is William Weber already admitting that he's got money issues with the family would want to discredit them saying, oh, no, no, no. We made this all up so that they wouldn't make any money on on their stories, even if it was true. So I'm feeling that William Weber is not a good source of of information when it comes to the actual story behind this. Right. It is possible and as you said there's a lot of skeptics saying a lot of the, they think that a lot of the stuff was made up, but William Weber's testimony in particular I don't I think you have to throw that out because he was a biased part. Okay. Hmm. What do you think? No, I mean I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I can see where, come on, we know, we notice throughout history that many issues start to evolve, uh, when money come, becomes a problem. Yeah. Uh, and so if they're already having money problems with their lawyer, uh, William Weber, then it would only make sense that he's going to try to do everything that he can to keep them from getting more money. Now, my, I'm guessing what's happening here is that they didn't have the money at the time. Uh, to pay their lawyer. And he knew that if they were to end up creating this story and getting a good sum amount of money, they'd make way more off of it than he would make, possibly. And hence, jealousy, envy, so on and so forth come, become a matter. And uh, luckily, luckily, he goes as far as to just to say, hey, they came up with the story over many bottles of wine instead of deciding to go and murder them, too. Because let's face it, that's what happens sometimes when it comes to money. money People yeah. go crazy. Um, there's a reason why I think God says in the Bible that money is the root of all evils. 
I mean, I think there is a truth there to, to at least some extent. Um, oh, a huge extent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. So I completely agree with you. I think there is a very strong possibility that that's all this was. But I think that there is also a very strong possibility that is that he's right. He's true or telling the truth. I think that maybe they can't may have come up with a story over many bottles of wine. I mean, heck, you and I come over, come up with all kinds of stuff. You and I came up with a radio <laughs> show over a couple of bottles of beer. I mean, we well, come I, up with some interesting stuff. I'm not saying it's not possible, but like I said, he's a biased party because he's already got that issue of money, them right. owing him money. Right. But is it possible that he was jaded because they owed him money and he's, he, he was like, I have to tell the truth. This was all made up. We, we had several bottles of wine and we're like, we need to tell this story so that we can make money. It's possible. It is possible. So we'd already mentioned Daniel Lutz lives in Queens, New York as a stonemason. Apparently, uh, he still claims that the house ruined his life. We've covered that, um, continues to have nightmares to this day. It's possible. I don't know what he witnessed. I don't know if it was directed to just him or if it really did involve the family because everyone else is keeping quiet about it. Uh, his siblings want nothing to do with anything that he says. So, you know, I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, and of course, what happened to Ron DeFeo? the one who killed his family in the first place in the house back in 1974. Well, the answer is simple. He's still alive. Despite many who think he might've killed himself at the same night, uh, he's still alive and serving six 25 year life sentences at a New York correctional facility. Again, he claimed he heard voices urging him to kill his family. He has since changed his story many times. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it always and, change your story. <laughs> One thing about Ron DeFeo is just because you hear voices doesn't mean it's a supernatural paranormal thing. It, it could be a mental illness, which in turn would be why he also changed his story so often because he's like, no, 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 wait, I was wrong. It was my mom that told me to kill everybody, even herself. Or wait, wait, wait. No, it wasn't that. It was the fact that they beat me. Oh, no, 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 wait. And I'm not saying that he, this is the, the things that he was saying. I'm just giving examples as to right. how his story would change. Right. No, I, I understand. Um, you know, I, I, it's interesting to me that it, here's the thing. I noticed that the majority of people who change their stories aren't telling the truth. Yeah. There's a lie in there somewhere. It may be part truth. It may be full truth. That's one point or another, but for the majority, they're lying. Uh, And you'll notice when police, if a police officer pulls you over at the wee hours in the morning, you know, or if, you know, they'll often question you and they'll ask you the same question multiple times to see if they can trip you up. I remember, you remember when you and I were coming back from Canada (laughs) several years ago, and we got stopped at, but with border, got stopped by border patrol and they kept asking us the same darn question yeah. over and over and over. And I answered the same question with the same answer over and over and over. And he still was suspicious. And, uh, it's funny because here's this, this is a story. Rabbit trail. Uh, it's funny because I was driving the Toyota Corolla, 99 Toyota Corolla. I had, uh, rims on it. I had, uh, 
different headlights on the corner lights on mm-hmm. there they were green i had new tail lights uh euro black euro tail lights on the back uh, i had a sound system in the trunk you know decently lightly decked out nothing special but he, he wanted to check the trunk he popped i saw so popped the trunk and of course when i put the lights in those euro tail lights the fixtures that keep the plastic against the light to prevent dust from getting in there broke and so i didn't have a way to put it back together so he opens the trunk and this piece of plastic and behind the light is just flapping. It's just open, right? That, of course, makes him very suspicious because <laughs> he thinks, quote unquote, that we're hiding drugs somewhere because that would be an obvious spot to put, to put drugs, <laughs> which we, I didn't have drugs. Justin and I don't do drugs. No, no. Um, anyway, so nonetheless, he had us drive over to the side to go talk to some other officers so that they can search the car. Uh, and it was funny because while we were there, I remember you were sitting there, you know, just very quiet. I was like going through all the little magazine racks, <laughs> looking at like all the little, I was like, Hey, we should do this next time. We should do that next time. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a, a few women, I don't know if they're family or just friends arguing with another police officer over the counter. And you're not allowed to have your phone in on you. You're not yeah. allowed to have it open. You're not allowed to talk on it, anything like that in this office. Uh, and there's signs everywhere. And the officer's telling this girl to get off the phone and she's putting up a hissy fit. She's just having an argument, you know, she's throwing and throwing a temper tantrum. Uh, and you could tell everyone's getting upset. So they ended up taking her and bringing her into the back interrogation room because she just, she screwed up. That's a mistake on her part. Uh, but the, then the cop is like, you know what? Just, those two gentlemen right there are being very patient. Can you go just check their car and get them out of here? <laughs> so they took us out back and literally the cop, you know, he looked into the, uh, the border patrol looked into the, uh, the back seat, saw all of our suitcases everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's like, are those just suitcases? You're like, yep. Okay. Pop the trunk. <laughs> so he popped the trunk and he's like, I had my uh, sound system screwed down at the time. He's like, is there a way to get underneath that? Do you have like anything? I was like, no, I don't bring, I don't have a screwdriver with me. He's like, hmm. All right. Goodbye. Have a good day. <laughs> One thing so, yeah. I'm thankful is, is we passed on buying that hookah that I wanted to buy over there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, I don't even remember why the heck I was telling this story. Oh, changing, changing, changing your story. Yeah. Uh, people lying and changing your story, so on and so forth. Keep to the story. Well, I feel like I'm giving bad advice <laughs> to people right now. You know what? Forget what I was going to say. Just do what you do. Hopefully you're telling the truth. If you're not, shame on you and you'll be punished. Anyway, you're disciplined. <laughs> All so, right, folks. Before we get too much further into it, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Paratruth Radio. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, 
please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. A creature emerges from his slumber, only to be told he is a griffin with the name Achilles. The twisted mind of Dr. York Hampshire believed he could keep such a creature in a lab without consequences. However, bigger secrets are being revealed. What is this mad scientist doing with creatures and humans? The legendary creatures project The Griffin by Justin Conciliere, available now at Amazon.com. Get your copy today before the lights get turned off on this project. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been discussing the Amityville Horror. Uh, I guess you can't really call it the Amityville Horror House because that's what the the uh, fictional works would call it the the Amityville house that it was based on the Amityville horror movie and books and all that stuff. One thing that I found really interesting was back when it was sold after Lutz killed his family, it was sold for $80,000 due to the murders. Re- when it was recently sold in February 2017, it was sold for $605,000, but still $200,000 less than the original asking price because of the the murders and the things that have happened there. And it's right. changed from 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 Ocean Avenue. It would be odd that they would just move the house over one lot so that <laughs> there must have been something where they just changed the address so people weren't sneaking in or sneaking to take pictures or something like that, right. I would guess. Right. Well, you know, it would make sense that the house is expensive as it is considering it's on Long Island. Uh, oh, and inflation, I suppose. Yeah, but it's just interesting uh, to see that. Well, I think what's most interesting is because, like, I mean, for one, yeah, the, you know, the pricing has changed since the 70s, uh, which would make sense why it's even more expensive today. You know, $80,000 even in the 70s, which, you know, very much equivalent, probably close to right yeah. the 600 that they're 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 at now. But also, when you think about it, this house has much more historical value now than it did back in the 1970s. That's true. Too, yeah. uh, so naturally people are like, Oh, this is a historic house. There's this murder. There's this haunting. There's this and that and this and that. And then of course there you have it. Price jumps. There are cases in which, uh, I think if the house wasn't as famous as it was, the price would actually be lower still mm-hmm. and would probably never inflate. But because it has been the source of many movie adaptations, naturally the price is going to skyrocket regardless. So whoever bought that house, congratulations. Uh, I hope you don't witness a haunting. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Well, all right. So coming off the fence, um, do you believe – Ron DeFeo's original story that he was hearing voices. I mean, we just discussed changing your story, but do you think originally he was 
he was hearing voices and that's what caused him to do it? Or do you think there was more to it? I mean, it's hard to say. It really depends on what type of medications he was on, if any, uh, or, or what type of issues he might have had. I don't know if he had any real medical uh, issues or conditions. Uh, so I think that initial story of him hearing voices could very well be a possibility. Okay. And perhaps, uh, I think people just telling him, maybe saying like, hey, this whole idea, this story of you saying that it's voices telling you doesn't add up. It doesn't make any logical sense. It's just, it's not going to help you. Then he starts changing his story, maybe thinking, okay, well, if the truth isn't getting by, then I'll just say something else, whatever to get them to leave me alone at this point. Uh, I mean, he's convicted for 25 years times, was it six? Uh, six. Yeah. I mean, he did it. There's no question well, about right. that. You know, so it's like it doesn't really matter what his story is. The point is he's stuck in prison until right. he's done and gone uh, wherever he goes. Uh, and hopefully the Lord saves him. But, you know, I think it's hard. It's You know, I'll be honest. It's hard uh, as for any individual, I think, to pray for a murderer, to pray for someone who's killed people or has done this, done that. Uh, but I think it's something we need to try our best to do because I know – Jesus would do it. Um, well, I mean, anybody that would be, that would do any type of a, of a sick crime, even, uh, child, uh, abusers, I mean, mm-hmm. it would be hard to, pr- I mean, me specifically, it would be hard to pray for, for child abusers right. and murderers. But uh, right. yeah, I, I completely understand that. And one thing that, as you were talking, came to mind was, you know, I've seen a lot of police interrogations kind of on like 48 hours dayline. Yeah, it's a, it's a show, but they're showing the actual tapes and cops will continue to berate somebody with their idea of what happened that these, a lot of these people just to let them hear what they want to hear. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Or, yeah, actually, I actually did break his neck, and this is what happened. Or it pushes somebody's mental state to the the limits when somebody's telling you, you did this, you have to admit, and you need to tell us how you did it. Right. Yeah, you know, it's – I know it's a tactic. Many police officers, officers use, uh, interrogationists use to try to get the truth. Uh, and I think by constantly trying to break them down, by giving them their version of the story, what they think happened, uh, in one sense, I think it is or could be saw, uh, seen as a way of manipulating the situation to get the guy or the mm. girl, whoever it is that's done the crime, uh, getting them to confess that way. I think another tactic, though, is just to make them feel the overwhelming guilt, guilt if indeed they are. They did do it. You know, right. so, cause I think in the end, what's gonna happen is, if they weren't guilty and if these uh, – the law, if you will, constantly pushes and pushes and pushes, if that person that they're pushing is actually innocent, they're never going to break from their story. They're not going to fall to that, you know, okay, fine, I give up, I'm tired of this, I'm guilty. They're never going to do that. If they're innocent, they will continue to plead their innocence and that's when the lawyer comes in and they start figuring things out. But, uh, well, it's funny you say that because a lot of people don't, there, there have been several that I've seen on these shows anyways that don't break story, but the cops are like, you did it. 
were were arresting you because you did it. And that's not to say that it's bad cop or bad police work. What I'm all right. I'm saying is is even if they try and trip you up and they don't, if they believe you did it, it's going to trial because they have to they have to prove that you did or didn't do it. Well, sure, they're seeking justice. I, I think for the majority of it, if they're going out of their way to push and push and push, then they very well may have some type of evidence that puts you at the scene, mm. whether it's a video or some type of, you know, whatever. It could be anything. It could be any type of evidence. It could be one single thing, and that'll be enough for them to keep pushing. Uh, and maybe that Maybe that evidence holds up in court. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, I, I know what what hurts is how many people have been um, convicted of a felony and yet are completely innocent. Wrongfully convicted, there are yeah. innocent people in prison who are not, you know, who, who never did the crime. They're completely innocent. But the justice system tends to get screwed up and is screwed up in many instances. Uh, and there are people, luckily, to this day, fighting for those innocent people. Mm. There are people, other PIs out there who are looking into some of these uh, convictions and saying, look, I think they're wrongly tried. I don't think the evidence points to them. I, we're going to, you know, this person is still claiming their innocence. We're going to help them. And I've, there's documentaries out there. There's TV shows that have mm. done it in the past. Uh, and I think it's good that those people are out there. These, these PIs that are willing to help those who are innocent. Even um, good attorneys, even, you know, yeah. the ones that aren't looking for a payday. They just want to see justice truly prevailed. Right. Right. Because meanwhile, the real per- the person who actually did the crime is somewhere out there still, right. probably still doing the crime. Right. I mean, it, it, it's it's sad to say, but when you commit certain crimes, it just you don't just stop; it keeps going. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it does. So anyway, all right. Huh. <laughs> off that rabbit trail, uh, off the fence for George and Kathy. At, well, the Lutzes in general. Do you think that they were spinning a story with? Attorney William Weber, do you think this stuff actually happened and William Weber got upset because they were having money problems paying him, so he decided to call them liars? What do you think? And I really don't know. I mean, look, we, we've done investigations. We've heard people's stories. When, when you look at this one, it can go either way. The fact of the matter is these hauntings only took place with the Lutz family. Right. No one else ever reported any hauntings. Sure, I'm sure there are people who are a little felt spooked and stuff like that. But I mean, come on, some four people were murdered in the house, or however many people were murdered because in the of house. The action, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's going to be spooky just knowing that. Um, uh, but I, in the end, though, I mean, this haunting only followed one family, and that could be a complete fabrication. It might have been a story, but at the same time. We know of people and we've talked to people in which a haunting simply follows them around. If they're dabbling in the occult, like you said, that's a door that's been wide open. For all we know, they were haunted before they came there. Mm -hmm. The haunting may have strengthened when they got there because of the murders, the negative energy, etc. And then when they moved out, the haunting left with them. I mean, there's so many possibilities here. So I really can't say whether or not I believe their story to be true or false, I don't think the evidence is conclusive enough. Um, I think coming from the outside in, not like, looking at it from a non-investigative point of view, someone who isn't in the paranormal, I would say the story is fabricated, period. 
it's it's fabrication. But being someone in the paranormal who's talked to people who constantly have spirits or hauntings following them, I think there is a possibility. I'm not going to go out on the limb and say, yes, they're 100% right. I think this is a true 100% true story. I'm not going to say that. I don't think the evidence is conclusive. Uh, It it simply comes down to word of mouth. There's no video evidence. There's no EVP evidence. Uh, There's no documentation of temperature changes or anything like that. There's nothing documented. In the end, very, very few things are documented. So, yeah, you know, I I think when it comes down to it, I guess if I have to say one or the other, I'll say that it might have been a fabrication. Possible. A possible fabrication. But, again, I can't, you know, from from a personal standpoint, I can't take one side or the other because you just never really know with these kind of cases. Right, and I haven't seen any uh, investigations paranormal investigations in the house i'm i'm pretty sure there have been some but um i haven't seen any of that proof either i'd say it's possible that it is haunted as well um but unless for example you and i went in there and then aired everything that we got on air and we we caught evidence of that particular any particular stuff that the lutz went through then i'd say yeah then then we could say it's haunted for sure yeah, I completely agree. Um, obviously, I have to go to to this aspect of it because it's Paratruth Radio. Um, do you think that Ron was plagued by a demonic force and that demonic force continued on when the Lutz took over the home and for whatever reason ended up dissipating after that and that's why people haven't really reported hauntings anymore? You know, I, again, this is one of those I really don't know. There's not enough evidence here. Um, I think there is the possibility, but the fact that George Lutz had a history of dabbling in the occult mm-hmm. is more than enough to be the significant matter for of the haunting, haunting for when they were there. Uh, you know, I think it, it's rare. It's not even rare. I... I cannot say that I've ever really come across a story of a murder taking place due to a haunting. Yeah. Suicide, maybe, you know, but murder is something a little more, a little different. Uh, and I think the reason being is because when it comes to like a suicide, it's, it's, it's weird to say it this way, but it's much more personalized. It's inner as opposed to outer, outward. Uh, every, all the turmoil is on the inside and that's typically the way a demonic entity works. It breaks you down inside out. Uh, it usually wouldn't cause you or go out of its way to make you kill other people, though I'm sure it would try. I think its main effect is to get to you. And it, when it does, maybe it pushes you to kill. Maybe it does. Uh, but I've noticed that when it comes to people who have committed suicide, they're often crying out saying, oh, I've seen this, I've seen that, you know, things are happening. But, you know, it, it, it's, I think it's weird that this person would kill his entire family, but then he himself stay alive if it was a demonic, attack you know, for him. attack, I think. Because I feel like a, a demonic entity would want everything out. They just... You know, but I don't know. I can't say, you know, I'm, I'm not professional in this type of, in this particular situation. So I'm just giving an opinion. I'm throwing it out there. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, man, in the end. Um, I mean, where, where, where do you stand 
in in that on that question of it being a demonic uh, attack uh, uh, of yeah uh, of whatever it is you think happened with Ron. Um, honestly, I feel Ron had some mental illness problem going on, uh, especially because he had the problem of changing his story. And mm-hmm. the, the reason I say that is because anybody with mental illness a lot of times will be easily manipulated to change their story, especially if they're being talked to by a psychiatrist who's saying, listen, this is all in your head. The, the, the voices were not real. So I could see him changing his story and I feel if it was something of a spiritual nature for him, I don't think his story would have changed as much. He would have been right. convicted in what he what he had seen or what he had heard and what had happened. Um, for the Lutzes, I I feel that it's possible that because of George dabbling in occult things, it's possible that they were possibly affected by some type of entity, whether that was demonic or something else. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's fair. That's fair. So, all right, folks, that is our Amityville Horror Show. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our thoughts and opinions as well as the research that we've done. If you have come across anything that we did not cover, please share it with us. I would love to hear what you guys came across uh, and, you know, your opinions in general as well. I would love to hear from you guys. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one other thing I want to mention real quick. I did mention the documentary, uh, with Daniel Lutz, uh, during, during the episode. Uh, that documentary is called My Amityville Horror. Uh, the last time I watched it, it was on Netflix, uh, which was a couple of years, a few years ago now. You can also watch it on Amazon Prime. That's, uh, $2.99 for the standard definition version. So if you do want to see that documentary, it's called My Amityville Horror. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good documentary. So if you want to check that out, go for it. Let us know what you think. Did you think that it represented the story pretty well? Uh, it's, it was, it's, it's weird, man. Like I think that's honestly, I think that this documentary is one of the reasons that's or one reason as to why I started to shift my opinion from the house being haunted to maybe being a fabrication or a story. Okay. Just because of the way he acts. You know, he is, you'd have to see it, but I just feel like he, he acts differently than what your typical haunted soul would act. I think, uh, it it almost seems a little, almost seems, he almost seems a little overzealous about it. Forced. Yeah. A little forced, it's a little forced. It's a little, it's a little weird, you know? So guys, check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, maybe it'll, maybe you have a different opinion. Maybe you see something different than what I see, but, uh, yeah, nonetheless, my Amityville Horror uh is made in 2012 documentary. Cool. So one thing that I had mentioned at the beginning when I was doing my little ladies and gentlemen thing is that uh we are actually a part of TMV Cafe now. Uh it's another network out there for you guys to listen to us and several other great shows on. Uh we are still a part of Fringe Radio Network as well as the radio and podcast. Dot com. So definitely check those out as well. All right, folks. So next week we're going to be talking about Project Bluebeam, 
and the Battle of L.A., which I feel there is a connection there. So definitely check that out. Check out all of the networks we're on, as well as all of our uh, sponsors. And you can find all of those at paratruthradio.com, as well as contact us there. And uh, please make sure you check out paratruthradio.com to see what's going on. So until next week, folks, where you will find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can find them at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and the Fringe Radio Network. Or for a one-time fix of all of your Paratruth needs, simply drop in to paratruthradio.com. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for brand new updates on our show every day. Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.